archives and history for the special exhibit, Spirits of the Passage, the story of the transatlantic slave trade, opening February 2nd. Details at 2MississippiMuseums.com slash spirits. Good morning. It's 8.30 on Thursday, January 31st. I'm Karen Brown, and this is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. On today's show, find out why an immigration advocacy group wants to give driver's licenses to people who may be in the country illegally. We have a lot of people who are undocumented here who are driving without a driver's license. You usually have to have a license in order to get insurance. So that is not a a safe situation for any of us. And is flu on the rise in Mississippi? We'll get the latest information. Plus, what do you do if your child's identity is stolen? And in this week's book club, American Pop by Snowden Wright. That's all coming up. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Immigrants' rights group is lobbying Mississippi legislators to pass a bill they say would make driving safer in the state. House Bill 403 would allow undocumented immigrants to obtain a driver's license. Attorney Patricia Ice is with the Mississippi Immigrants' Rights Alliance. She talks with MPB's Desiree Frazier. Immigrants should have the same rights that we do here in the United States, documented or undocumented. And... A couple of the bills that we want to stress are we would like a driver's license for all people um, who drive here, who can pass the test, etc. In some states they call it a driver license certificate if people are undocumented. There are quite a few states, and I cannot tell you how many, but there are quite a few that have certificates for undocumented immigrants. I know Tennessee is one of them. Um, And we also really want to get in-state tuition for high school graduates here because we have lots of people here who came when they were children, people who have deferred action for childhood arrivals and others who may not have that, that status but who came here when they were very small and they've been through elementary, junior high or middle school, they call it here, and high school. And then when they get to college, they have to pay out-of-state tuition and, in some cases, international student tuition. So those are two really, really important um, things that we want to get across. Um, We also want people to know that immigrants are workers. Many of them are workers, and they need the same protections as American workers in the workplace. In terms of talking about the driver's license, um, what is the situation now? Can they get a driver's license if you're undocumented? Undocumented people cannot get a driver's license here in Mississippi. So we have a lot of people who are undocumented here who are driving without a driver's license. They are, they are working, but they cannot get a driver's license. They cannot get insurance a lot of times because they don't have a license. You usually have to have a license in order to get insurance. So that is not a, a safe situation for any of us. So it really behooves the state of Mississippi to allow people to get a driver's license so that they can get um, insurance, so that they understand the laws here. 
the, the laws of the road and so that they can be held accountable if they are involved in some type of um, traffic accident or violation. You see people uh, fleeing the scene because they don't have a driver's license sometimes. Um, so that is very important. And ever since I started doing this work in 2001, uh, which is now some 18 years, we have been trying to get a driver's license for undocumented people. So this has been a long struggle. Two things that come to mind. One is you have people on the road undocumented that don't know what they're doing. Right, that's right. I mean, you have Americans that don't either, but... But there's no... There's no accountability. But no, there's, there's no driver's ed or anything. Because they don't have, you know, because they don't allow them to get a driver's license. The other thing is... Would they be afraid to get a license because then there would be some record that they're undocumented? I haven't found that to be true. <laughs> let, me, let me put it that way because I do have clients who have relatives and homes in Tennessee, and they're, but they live here primarily and they're undocumented, but they have a driver's license in Tennessee. I've never heard of anybody being arrested because they have a driver's license. Attorney Patricia Ice says another issue they're trying to address is the high cost of college tuition. Ice says many undocumented students find it difficult to finish college because they can't receive in-state tuition even though they live here. A lot of the young people, are a lot of the young undocumented students or DACA students, DACA means Deferred Action for Childhood Arrivals, and even though they have work authorization and are eligible to be here or they're allowed to be here, they're still considered undocumented. So the state of Mississippi thinks that they, since they are not residents of the state of Mississippi, even though they really are residents of the state of Mississippi, Running a business that they requires should pay smart this out-of-state tuition. And it's, and it's difficult because many people want to go to college. I have people that I work with that I helped apply for DACA. And they're, and they're in college um, for as long as they can be. You know, then, then later, a lot of them can't finish because their tuition is so high that they drop out. Or they're working really hard, so it takes them a long time because they, they, if, if they have DACA, they are eligible to work. So they're working really hard and can only take one class here and one class there. They can't finish um, for long periods of time. So that is a real problem because it impedes them from going to college. A lot of them just won't go because they can't afford it. Patricia Ice of the Mississippi Immigrants' Rights Alliance. Republican Representative Gary Chisholm of Olive Branch also spoke with our Desiree Frazier. He says illegal is illegal, whether the law was broken by an individual crossing the border or whether that person was carried over as an infant. You know, I really think that what should happen is that they should be documented. They should have come across legally. If they come across legally, they hadn't got a problem. But it appears that many of them came across illegally. Some of them are people who came with their parents and they were children. Well, if they came with their parents, they still came across illegally. I think that, that this is a national issue. 
And I don't think we should make it any easier for undocumented uh, aliens to, you know, get driver's license and other things. I think they ought to jump through the same hoops as as regular individuals, regular uh, uh, citizens do. Does it concern you that they're on the road without licenses, without taking a test to see that they are qualified to drive? That concerns me, but more so than that probably is that they're out there driving without insurance. Because if you ain't got a driver's license, you can't get insurance. So, you know, there's no easy fix to this. That's the reason that that we had the shutdown in Washington. And I, but I don't think making it any easier is going to help us uh, alleviate the problem. I still think that once, if everybody got a license right now, five years from now, you still have a ton of folks that's done come across that did. Every time we've given amnesty, when we've done this about four or five times, there's a ton of more people that's come across. So I think we need to quit being accommodating uh, to illegal aliens. Another issue is the in-state tuition. There is a bill for that as well. tuition, no. You know, we should, uh, they should pay out-of-state tuition. They should not be able to get in-state tuition. They should pay out-of-state tuition. Representative Gary Chisholm with MPB's Desiree Frazier. In other news, health officials are urging Mississippians to stay vigilant against the flu and flu-like illnesses. The state is currently in the heart of the flu season. State Health Officer Dr. Thomas Dobbs tells MPB's Jasmine Ellis it's not too late to get vaccinated against the flu. We're pretty much everybody is now in the widespread. We've been a little bit delayed compared to some of our neighbors, but now um, we're, we're right up there with them. So what does that mean in terms of the widespread? Um, it just means that there's... there's uh, uh, active transmission of flu throughout the state. So basically it means that you are in the, in the, in the heart of the flu season. And so how is our flu rate compared um, this year to last year? You know, our, our influenza-like illness rate's a little bit lower, but it's going to be pretty much the same as far as the timing goes. Okay, and how would people know that they are experiencing the flu versus other viruses? You know, it's impossible to know if you have the flu versus another virus. And so for that reason, it's very important to touch base with your physician or provider because there are tests that can be done and there are treatments for flu. So that's very important. If you have, you know, fever and runny nose and maybe a little bit of a cough, you know, normal viral symptoms this time of year, it's a good, a good, a good possibility that you, you have the flu. But again, you have to get checked for it because there's no, you can't really distinguish from it uh, based on, on your symptoms. Certainly, if someone thinks they have the flu, we strongly encourage you to get treated because early treatment can make you better. We're also, even now, still recommending getting the flu shot. Um, I, I gave some folks flu shot yesterday because, uh, you know, the flu season lasts for a long time, and it takes a little while for the immunity to pick up, about two weeks after the flu shot. But we want people to go ahead and get covered. But then again, other things that people can do is certainly um, hand washing. So very important to prevent flu. Most flu is, is spread by contact with contaminated surfaces. Um, so that's important. Stay home if you're sick. I mean, after you see the doctor, of course, and don't spread it, you know, around your work or home. Uh, cover up your cough, you know, cough into your, your elbow. Try, don't spread the germs around. Um, and then, you know, just basic hygiene, you know, cleaning off 
your surfaces and stuff at work, that's a good idea too. State Health Officer Dr. Thomas Dobbs with MPB's Jasmine Ellis. So, what do you do if your child's identity is stolen? Find out next. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Lane departure warnings. Adaptive headlights. Forward collision warning with automatic emergency braking. Do you have any of these? What do you think? We want to hear your stories while we talk about new safety features on vehicles and take your car questions on the next AutoCorrect today at 10 a.m. on MPB Think Radio and on the Internet at mpbonline.org. MPB would like to thank Daniel, Coker, Horton, and Bell and the Mississippi Healthcare Alliance for underwriting MPB programs. Your company can be an underwriter, too. Find out more. Go to mpbonline.org slash underwriting to find out how. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Karen Brown. Have you ever pulled a credit report on your child? It might sound crazy to some of you, but experts say children can be particularly vulnerable to identity theft. Their Social Security number may even be stolen by a friend or relative. Accounts opened in their name. Bad debts taken out. Your child may even be near adulthood before the theft is even discovered. Susan Cosgrove is with the Mississippi State University Extension Service. She previously spoke with MPB's Ezra Wall, warning that identity theft is on the rise. Well, identity theft is just increasing all the time. And, you know, it can happen anytime someone uses personal information of another to pose as a consumer and, you know, fraudulently obtain goods and services in their name. But it happens a lot of times for children. And many times children are, as they get old enough to start doing something like making application for financial aid, they may not know that this has occurred. And it occurs a lot of times by family members or, you know, sometimes at random, the thieves start getting social security numbers. And it can occur with children's information, just like adults, to get anything, you know, make automobile purchases, large ticket items, you know, anything like that. So what are some of the red flags that people should be on the lookout for if, if they worry that, or if they're trying to protect their child from this eventuality? They should protect their child's Social Security number just like their own. You know, we, we're supposed to keep those, the Social Security cards in a safe place. No one should take Social Security cards in their wallet or, or their purse Every day, they should be kept in a safe place, and those numbers should be memorized. You know, if you go somewhere and someone asks you for your Social Security number, you need to ask them, why do you need it, and what are you going to do with it? Because, you know, that that is our most important piece of personal identification. If the credit bureau does have a credit report for your child, then that means that more than likely there has been some fraud committed in that child's name because ordinarily a child would not have a credit report. If you uh, contact a credit reporting agency or one of the credit bureaus uh, and you get some information back that says your child actually has a report or, God forbid, even a credit score 
of some kind, that is a, a sure sign of some activity. Yes. So if they if you find out that that is the case, then they will send you a copy of the report. And to remove fraudulent accounts, then you would need to send a letter to each of the credit bureaus indicating that your child is a minor who can't enter into contracts. And you would need to include a copy of the child's birth certificate. That's very interesting information. So if somebody is is, uh, wanting to take steps to protect their children, what's the most important thing that you would recommend that they take action on today? It's very important if you have a child that is a junior in high school and and that child is going to be going to college or, well, you know, that's a good age to start checking on this to be sure that there is nothing on their record. But children need to be taught the importance of protecting their personal identification information and, you know, just looking out for fraud and not giving their personal information to just anyone. This day and age, we just can't be too careful. That's very true. Susan Cosgrove is with the Mississippi State University Extension Service. Susan, I thank you very much for sharing this information with us today. Thank you. Coming up in this week's book club, American Pop by Snowden Wright. That's next. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Whether you're a thrifty shopper or someone who likes to buy the whole store, Change is the program that will allow your purchases to show your support for the quality content on MPB Radio. This easy and no-hassle program rounds up your credit or debit card purchases to the nearest dollar and sends us the difference. You support MPB and get something nice for yourself. To sign up for change, visit our website, mpbonline.org, and click support. Whether traveling through Oxford or Tupelo, stuck in traffic in Jackson or Meridian, or cruising along the coast in Biloxi or Ocean Springs, MPB goes with listeners wherever they go. Your company's message can go along, too. Go to mpbonline.org slash underwriting to find out how. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Karen Brown. Take a soda with global appeal. Its inventor, the inventor's family, and a dynasty built. Add a span of a century with a twist of tragedy, and you've got the makings of American Pop, a novel by Snowden Wright. The Mississippi-born and bred author introduces us to the Forsters and the cola they name after a Mississippi county. With the Forsters, I tried to create the most quintessential American family. I wanted them to represent the past hundred years of America in their in their rise and fall. And originally when I was thinking of the idea of the novel, it really came to me with a hypothetical question. What would a novel about the Kennedys be like if they had made their fortune by inventing Coca-Cola? And so the Forsters are a very Kennedy-esque clan. And they also have the a Kennedy-esque curse to them. Um, and so they they all are ruined in a way by their own success. Um, and each one, because they have these, uh, because they're the, the parents of the family, the leaders of the family, they put this pressure on them. That makes their, each of the, the fall of the Forster children and grandchildren that much more dramatic. Also, with with the Forsters, because they are celebrities in a way, they're like the Kennedys, like the Rockefellers, that enables them to be on the national stage and to be prevalent as uh, characters on the national stage. Are the children 
victims of their parents or do they write their own tragedies? I like to think of it as a little bit of both. I don't think they're necessarily victims of their parents, but they're victims of the pressure that their family name exerts on them. And that is certainly exacerbated by their parents' expectations of them. Panola Cola is a great name because it rhymes. Did it also happen to come from Panola County with your background in Mississippi, or is that just um, is that just coincidence? It came from Panola County. So Panola County is the county where Batesville, Mississippi, is in. And I was going through a lot of different possible names for the soda. Originally, I was thinking of calling it Magnolia Cola <laughs> after the Mississippi State tree and flower. But that's sort of an awkward rhyme. And then I, one of my writer friends, he, I was telling him about my dilemma. And so he just looked up counties of Mississippi on Wikipedia. And he was like, hey, look, Panola, that rhymes with cola. What about that? And I actually ended up loving the name, especially when it gets shortened to Pancola, because this is the, the type of novel and the type of soft drink that spans the globe. So you get pan, and that implies that as well. The cola itself is made available to servicemen, so it's huge. It's huge overseas and in the United States. Is it comparable to Coke or Pepsi? Were you going for something that big? I definitely was going for something that big. And the biggest inspiration for it was Coca-Cola. And I also took bits and pieces from Dr. Pepper, Pepsi, Sunkist, and threw those in there. But by far, the, the biggest influence was Coke. And really, if you look at World War II, that's what made Coke the brand it is today. The book is described as the story of a family, the story of an empire, the story of a nation. What is the story of the nation in this book? With the, the salt drink and the family, I wanted each of them, their rise and fall, to reflect the idea that America has about itself. And with America, I feel that nostalgia plays a big influence, especially today. We look back on the past and think, oh, it was all perfect back then. But if you really look close, it was not perfect. It was far from perfect. And so with Pancola and the family that owns it, I wanted to strip away as much of the nostalgia as I could and show what the country really was like going through the past hundred years, the past century. And beyond that, to investigate the idea of nostalgia itself and the way it warps the present and shatters the past and vice versa. And oftentimes, it does good things. It helps us see things that were good in the past, but it can also fog memories of things that weren't so good in the past. And so with American Pop, I wanted to try to get a clear picture of the history of America. American Pop is the name of the book, and we've been speaking with its author, Snowden Wright. Snowden, thank you very much for being with us. Thank you. Thank you so much. And Snowden Wright will be signing copies of American Pop at Lemuria Books in Jackson next Tuesday, February 5th at 5 p.m. Stay tuned to MPB Think Radio for a full slate of Mississippi-based programs all morning long. Coming up at 9 o'clock, it's Creature Comforts. Then at 10 o'clock, it's AutoCorrect. And at 11 o'clock, stay tuned for Southern Remedy. 
Did you miss part of the show today? Find past episodes of this and other Think Radio programs online at mpbonline.org by downloading the MPB Public Media app from the Apple or Google Play stores or by subscribing to Mississippi Edition in your favorite podcasting app. I'm Karen Brown. Join us again tomorrow morning at 8.30 for the next Mississippi edition, only on MPB Think Radio. Support for MPB comes from the Mississippi Department of Archives and History for the special exhibit, Spirits of the Passage, the story of the transatlantic slave trade, opening February 2nd. Details at 2MississippiMuseums.com slash spirits.